morning, good morning. It's good to see you here this morning, West Cab. And if you are a visitor here with us, my name is Ryan. I have the privilege of serving as one of our pastors here at the church. And we are going through this series on turning the world upside down. And what we've seen over the last several weeks is it's that God, through His grace and His glory, gives us the gospel and it changes us. And so we're going to look at that again today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I hope you have a copy of God's Word, because uh, though... Today might look a little different as we look at this week of missions focus. Every Sunday is really the foundation of God's mission focus to seek and to save that which was lost. And so this weekend the face might be a little different with uh, some things on our stage, some things out there in our welcome center and lobby. But the foundation of God's heartbeat for the lost is our mission because it's His mission. And so I'm excited about that. And let me just invite you as as a church here at West Cab that this week, Uh, We are going to pray diligently because we know that we can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ and we need Him to work and Him to move. And so this week on our social media, whether that's Facebook or Instagram, whatever you're on, you can find us and we're going to pray actually for the nations this week. So we're going to get a chance to pray for the entire world, each different continent this week. And it's going to give you kind of prayer points on how to pray. That is leading us to this coming up Friday. This Friday, throw it on your calendar, 6.30 here in this room, we're going to do a prayer and a worship night. So we're going to get to sing to the Lord that saved us, but at the same time, we're going to get to pray and hear from our missionaries about the prayer needs that they have so we can be praying for our neighborhoods and the nations. And so I'm excited about this Friday, I'm excited about this week, and then most importantly, excited about today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now before we read this passage, let me give you just a little running start. This last week, I started reading with my kids um, the Pilgrim's Progress book. And I don't know if you've heard of that book or not. It's a great book. It's been around since the 1600s, written by John Bunyan. Now, this is the kids' version of it. There's an adult version that you can, you can buy and you can read. But my kids have loved it. It's a great little book. And if you're not familiar with the book, you should be. It's the second most printed book um, in history. The Bible being number one, Pilgrim's Progress being number two. So it's a little tag for it. It's pretty amazing. This story is about uh, a boy, it's an allegory, about a boy named Christian. Okay, there's a little picture you see of him on the screen there, what he might have looked like. And Christian is in the city of destruction, and he's going to make his journey, his way to the heavenly city. And along the way, he meets different challenges and has different questions that he gets answered. And so it kind of, it's, it's the journey of the Christian life. That's what the book is ultimately about, how we go through the, the bogs of despair, and we go through times of where we're kind of lonely and seemingly lost in those moments, and how God in His goodness sends a helper and how He cares for us. But there's one scene that's a really interesting scene in this book that uh, John wrote, and in there he stops, Christian does, he stops at the house of the interpreter. Uh, and the allegory interpreter is actually the Bible where he helps Christian to understand why the world is the way it is and how all these pieces fit together. And in uh, Interpreter's house, Christian sees this portrait, this painting on the wall. And he's like, who is that person? Like, who is this picture and painting on the wall? And the Interpreter says, that is a picture of a gospel witness, a gospel minister. And as he looks at this this painting, the painting describes what a faithful gospel witness should have, what their life should look like just in this photo. So as you look at this photo, it describes what a faithful gospel witness is. Now that's challenging. 
think about how you would describe somebody who's a faithful gospel witness in a paragraph. I mean, think about it for a second. How would you do that? If you personally had to describe someone who is faithful to share the good news of how Jesus came to seek and to save us and how he loved us, how would you paint that picture? What would you use to describe that person? Now, right now, you might be thinking, I can, I can list a lot of things that I've seen in a portrait that shouldn't be there of a gospel witness, right? I'm not asking you to criticize in this moment. It's a lot easier to break stuff down than build stuff up. I'm asking you to legitimately think for a moment, what does a faithful gospel witness look like? What does it look like? Now, what we're going to see in this passage I'm going to read today is God's description of what that faithful gospel witness should look like. Someone who knows him and who loves him and who shares his love with others. This is where God's word is going to lead us today. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1 and go through verse 8. It says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. For though that we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from impurity or error or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came to you with, with words of flattery. As you know, nor with the pretext of greed, God is witness. Nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or for others. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you. Like a, like a nursing mother caring for her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you have become very dear to us. Let's pray. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. Pray that we would hear you. Lord, you are the God of glory and great to be praised same time you're the God of great grace. We see both your glory and your grace as we look at the gospel. And so I ask today that you would open up our eyes to see your beauty in your word. God, I pray for those who have never seen your beauty and your glory, your your glory and your grace. Would you open their eyes to see it today and soften their hearts to know it? And now let me invite you in a moment of silence just to pray. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, would you just pray and ask that God would speak to you today? Take just a moment to pray for me also. Right, as we look at God's word and how it calls believers to faithfully share the gospel, that I would be helpful to you this morning.
us today that you would make us full of fear. We confess that fear too often grips our hearts and that we need greater faith today. So I ask that you would create in us a deeper faith. You would create in us a pure heart. Lord, may our motives be driven from a heart of love for you and for others. All right, so this is the description of a faithful gospel minister. What God is going to call you, if you say, I'm a Christian, he's going to say, your life should look like this. These should be attributes in your life. And listen to me, church. If we really want to see change in our city and in our nation and in the world, it's going to start with these attributes in our lives, okay? If we're going to turn the world upside down like they did at this point as they came in and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, These things are foundational for us. And so we have to grasp it. We have to understand it. And so the first thing we have to grasp from this passage is boldness. Boldness. We need boldness in God to impact our neighborhoods. We need boldness. Paul writes, and that's what he says in the first few verses, we had boldness. But look at where their boldness is found. It's not found in their circumstances. In verse 2 he said, We had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi. Now, those of you that want extra credit can go and read everything that happened in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. You can go and you can read it there and you can see. Let me give you the short version. They go into Philippi and they share this good news that Jesus loves them. That the God of the whole universe that created everything and everyone didn't just leave them out there but had purpose and significance for their life. And loved them. So he came into the world to seek and to save those who were lost. Those who did not know a God that loved them. And were stuck in their burdens. So they go and they share this message in Philippi. And what's amazing when you read the story is that a ton of people believe. Like from all different parts of society. They're they're believing. Whether they're rich or whether they're poor or whether they're blue collar. It doesn't matter. They're believing. In this message of Jesus Christ, and it is changing them. And so you read about this one girl who was actually enslaved at that time and was being abused by by men. And they share the gospel with her, and they free her, and she is rescued and redeemed. And God changes her life, and it changes the city. Changes the city. There's another woman named Lydia who's very wealthy and influential and has a great business, owns her own business. And she's doing really well, and she hears the gospel, and she starts to reason with it for a little bit, has a dialogue with Paul about the gospel. God saves her and changes her, uses her to impact the city, to literally turn the city upside down for the glory of Jesus. And there's another man, he's just a blue-collar worker, he works for the government of Rome, and he's there, he's a jailer, he's just doing his job. He's not thinking about Jesus or thinking about God, he doesn't care about all that stuff. And the gospel comes in and saves him and changes him and redeems him. And so these people are like, this is amazing. Like, this has changed my world. It has turned my world upside down. And now it's turning our city upside down. But there's some people that didn't like change. Like, no, no, no. We liked it just the way that it was. And then they come in here and they tell us about this Jesus. No, 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 no. We don't want that king. We don't want to follow him. And so the suffering and shame that Paul writes about right here, what happens is people go and they, they drag him into the, the city streets, the middle of the marketplace. And they strip them and they beat them. 
And then they throw him into prison. And Paul says, you guys know, because we told you, you've heard that we suffered and we experienced shame as we shared the gospel at Philippi. Now let me ask you this. If that's happened to you, or if that did happen to you, like how would you respond when you walked into the next city? Like if, I, if, if that happened to me, like maybe it's like, okay, when we go to Thessalonica, let's like, let's, let's dial it back a shade. Like let's, let's turn it down just a little bit. Or let's just slow down because like Philippi was rough. That was rough. We don't want to do that again. But that's not what we find. In the midst of suffering and shame and the Bible says conflict at the end of verse 2, still they go into Thessalonica and it says we came to you in boldness. What? What? They came with boldness. I mean, some of you have experienced this kind of suffering and shame and conflict as you've tried to share the gospel with a family member or a, a, a co-worker or a neighbor. Like, you've, you've experienced this strife that he has right here. Has it ever produced in you boldness? Because as a faithful gospel witness, God's word says it should. Like, how? How in the world do we find boldness like this when we're met with such conflict? Well, it's really important to see where the boldness comes from. Don't miss this. Never read the word of God so quickly that you miss out on some of the most beautiful gems. Some of the greatest gems are spent mining the word over a lot of time. So in verse 2, you see it says, we had boldness in what? In our God. In our God. You see, so often for me and maybe for you, you think, I'll be bold with the gospel if I know all the answers. Like if I know everything and how to explain it all, then I'll be a lot bolder. I'll be bold in sharing the gospel if my circumstances are better. If there's no conflict and everybody's okay with the message of Jesus, then I'll share the gospel. If circumstances are right, there's no conflict, then I'll share the gospel. That's not what it says. Our boldness doesn't rest in our ability. Our boldness doesn't rest in our circumstances. That is not where we find our boldness. It's found in God. Sadly, too often what we do is we have the excuses of, I'm not significant. My life's not really that important. And so who, who am I? And who am I to share this gospel of Jesus? And church family, those excuses are not real. They're not true. We need to understand that. We need to remember the truth of who we are and who our God is. That's why you see in verse 1, as he starts, he says, for you yourselves know. Paul, as he writes this, keeps saying over and over and over again, you know, remember these things. So in chapter 1, he says it multiple times. He says, you know that God loves you. That's what he says in chapter 1, verse 4. In verse 5, he says, you know the gospel. Here in verse 1 that we just read today, it's, you know that when we came to you, it wasn't in vain. That sharing the gospel is not in vain. It's not. You know this. He says, in the middle of conflict, you can have boldness. Because you saw how God did great things in the midst of conflict in your life. You know these things. What Paul is wanting us to see and wanting them to see is we need to remember sometimes who our God is. 
we remember our trust is not in ourselves. And our boldness when it rests in him and him alone, that's when we'll have the ability to share the good news of Jesus. But as long as we look to ourselves, we'll find excuse after excuse after excuse. But remembering, remembering who he is and remembering his message gives us stability in those times of conflict. Gives us boldness. Chris Simney, which some of you have met, his parents go to church here. He has a rare muscle and nerve disease. Some would say, oh, this is tragic. This is a tragic circumstance. And Chris has not looked at what's happened in his life as a, as a tragedy. He looks at it as an opportunity to share the gospel with boldness. And so I want you to hear this quick story from Chris today. Because this is amazing to see how God used him to share the gospel all around our nation for the boldness of Jesus Christ. Watch this video. Church, this is Chris Sibby coming to you from Arizona. Have you ever been to the state? It's beautiful in so many ways, and it has incredible sunsets every night. It's just glorious. So as I speak, I'm actually recording this video to you. My iPhone is propped up actually in a cupboard in my kitchen against a stack of dishes. <laughs> because this is the best lighting I can find in my house to record a video such as this. And it reminds me about our brokenness. Because so many times we feel like our brokenness is stuffed away in the cupboards of our soul. A cupboard seems insignificant. All it does is hold things and store things. And so many times I feel the same way that we can store our bitterness and our brokenness and our failures when God wants to shine through them. And those pieces of our brokenness is the best lighting that we have because our story is significant. Our story has purpose. And that's why I'm so blessed to speak around the country and share my story of hope. I woke up in the eighth grade with a muscle and nerve disease that would change my life forever. And even though my disability has many debilitating circumstances that I must face on a daily basis, in most ways, my disability brings me victory. Victory in Jesus, victory in his power. And that's what I do when I speak around the country is I want to inspire people to do the same. Because our brokenness is often God's best lighting in our lives. That's where he wants to shine the most. Thank you so very much for your monthly support to this ministry. Your church family has been supporting me for years. I'm actually the son of Bernie and Trudy Savant, who many of you know. During COVID, I didn't speak very much, of course, but I was able to complete and finish my autobiography. But now I am able to take a round 
inhabits a resource whenever I speak for people to get if they want to know more about the story of God working in me. But it's the same with everybody. God wants to work in their story through them. Thank you so much for your generosity every month. Thank you so much for believing in the mission that God has for me. My heart is that everybody would know that they have significance and purpose and that God lighting shines best in the things that they think are insignificant in their lives. The comfort, so to speak, of their souls. Have a blessed Sunday, and I hope to see you someday soon when I'm out visiting my parents. God bless. to go through our fears and our doubt and take steps of faith and boldness so that people can hear the good news of Jesus. We have to do that. No matter how insecure that we may feel or insignificant like Chris talked about, we have to take those steps of faith that people who are far from God can be brought near and find the love and peace and forgiveness that their souls so desperately need. So let our excuses fade away as we look at the beauty of our saving love God, would, would you, would you this week take a step of faith first in boldness just to pray? God, would you please just open up a door for me to share the gospel? I don't know who I'm going to share the gospel with. I don't know what that looks like. Would you take a step of faith this week to pray each day? God, would you give me an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone? And at the same time, would you take the step of faith as God gives you that opportunity to, to talk about Jesus? To talk about him. Because... At least for me, there's times that the doors of opportunity have been opened, and I'm just like, thanks for that. I'll go ahead and close that door. Like, that's happened, right? Would you take that step of faith to, to pray and to share this week? And for some of you, one of your greatest fears is like, I just don't, I, I don't even know how I would share the gospel. Like, what does that look like to talk to somebody about the gospel? Or maybe you're watching online or in this room, and you're like, man, I don't even know what the gospel is. You're talking about all this gospel and sharing with gospel and have boldness, but like, what is the gospel? Let me speak to both of you, and, and I want to use this illustration of three, three circles. And I didn't come up with this. You can actually type in three circles on uh, your, your phone app, and you can find it and download this app called Three Circles. That helps explain what the gospel is. You might have another way to do it, another avenue that's great, but this is just one way for us to understand it and to share it. So you see the first circle is God's design. You can write this on a napkin, kind of circle this if you want to. God's design was that this world would be perfect and good, that there would be no brokenness in this world. That's how God created it. When he created it, he said it was good. And not just good, but very good. But the problem was sin entered the world. We disobeyed God's plan, God's design, God's request for us. And as sin entered into God's perfect world, it marred it. It, it, it broke it. And so the second circle that you see is brokenness. Brokenness. We understand this idea of brokenness in, in our world. We, we get it. We see it. You don't have to convince somebody this world's broken. Just turn on the news, let them watch for a little bit and be like, see, the world's broken, right? It's there. But what you see is these little kind of squiggly lines, these arrows going off of brokenness. We all feel the brokenness. We all feel the weight. 
These arrows are different ways that we're trying to get out of this brokenness. For some of us, it's, okay, I just want to be morally good. And if I'm morally good, then I can get back to God's design. And we can't. So we send that arrow out and it pulls us right back down to where we were. Or maybe we, we look at it and we're like, man, I, I'm just going to run from God. I'm going to try to get out of this brokenness by just trying to live for every pleasure this world has to offer. And so we send that arrow out and then it pulls us right back to the brokenness that we're in. We try a number of different things to get out of the brokenness that we're in, but there's no hope in ourselves. We can't get out of this brokenness. But there is hope in the gospel. There's hope in what Christ did for us. And if we repent and believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth and he died in our place on the cross, and we believe that and we repent from our sins, then we find the gospel. We find this good news and he saves us if we'll repent and believe. And here's the beauty of this. It comes around full circle for those that believe and repent of their sins and believe the gospel. We go back to God's original design where God will make all things right. He will redeem us. Christ is sanctifying us even as we believe one day we'll get to heaven or one day he will come again and he will make all things new and all things right. This is the gospel. This is what God has brought to us that we could believe and find hope. Church, will we be bold to share that truth with someone who maybe has heard it but doesn't believe, or somebody that is very far from it and has never heard it in those terms before? Could you draw that on a napkin this week? Could you pull out your phone and show that app to somebody? Would you pray that God would give you an opportunity to do that? Be bold for Jesus this week. The second thing I want us to see in a faithful gospel minister is that we need sincere motives. Sincere motives. We need sincere motives if we're going to reach the neighborhoods. We have to have pure motives. For me, I really enjoy kind of watching top performers in their area and figuring out what motivates them to do and succeed how they succeed and what they do, right? And so Michael Jordan was doing an interview for a documentary called The Last Dance a while back. And the interviewer asks him a question. He says, hey, a lot of the players didn't like you. They, they, like you didn't have a lot of friends on the team. And the, and the interviewer's like, did that bother you? And Michael Jordan's like, no, it didn't bother me. I was here for the W. I was here for the win. And if they don't like me, that's okay. As long as we win, I don't care. That's what motivated Michael Jordan. The win, the W. If I can get the W, I don't care if I have friends or not. As long as we can get the championship, then I'm okay. Like, that's what motivated Michael Jordan to thrive and do so well in his field. Dwayne Johnson, some of you guys know, he's actually one of the most filmed actors in the last decade. He has this statement, I want to be known as the hardest working person in the room. And so he exercises all the time, he's physically fit, he's doing all these movies. What's his motivation? What is driving him to work so hard and to work out and exercise so hard? What's interesting on his Instagram, he posted and said, this is my motivation. It's fascinating. He said on Instagram, in my early 20s, I did it for the money. It's all about the money. In my late 20s, I did it for myself. In my 30s, I did it for my children. And now I do it for my legacy. That's what he said. Can I just hear those? And that's fascinating to see what motivates them, but it's too small a thing to motivate us. 
small of a way to just get a W? To, to, to just build, a, build a, a big legacy after you're gone that people remember? Like, that's too small a thing. What is it that motivated Paul? And you have to say, whether you agree with the gospel or not, that he was one of the most influential men that ever walked the earth. Like, he was one of the top performers, right? He influenced all of Rome. He wrote these letters that influenced the world. I mean, we're reading it today, right? What is it that motivated Paul in his field? Well, as we see, it tells us in this passage. What motivated Paul? It was God. And specifically, God's love. But Paul starts and he says, this is not what motivated me. You need to know that. He says in verse 4, we didn't speak the gospel to please man, but to please God. It was all about God. That's what motivated him. Why? Because God tests our hearts. God tests our motives. I wasn't coming to you trying to speak words of flattery, the text says. You know what flattery is? Where you speak kind words to somebody in order for them to do something for you, right? Like it's all about you. He's like, we didn't speak words of flattery like that. We didn't do it. Instead, we, we spoke to you because you wanted to please God. It was all about God. He said it wasn't about greed. In verse 5, he says, you know we didn't come to you in greed, this pretext of greed. No, it wasn't about the money. It was about God. And he's like, God is our witness. Like the one who sees all and knows all, sees our hearts, and it, it's not about the money. In verse 6, he says, we didn't come to seek glory from you or from other people. It wasn't about the glory. It was about God. Now what's fascinating is Paul unapologetically in other passages of Scripture, 1 Timothy and, and 2 Corinthians says that a faithful gospel minister is, is worthy of, of honor. Like we should honor and respect those people. He says that. And he says they're worthy to be paid if they work diligently and hard. You should pay them. But Paul says in this moment, even though I'm worthy of these things, that's not why we're sharing the gospel. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's not about the applause. It's not about the glory. He says it's all about God. We did it for Him. And I love how he talks about how the love of God fueled him to live on mission. He tells us in verse 7, it was because of compassion. He lived on mission for the glory of God because of compassion that God had for him, he wanted to share with others. And I love the illustration he used. In verse 7 he says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. There is no more compassionate picture than that, than a mom caring for her children. You see, a good mom sees needs, anticipates needs, and meets them. Why? Not because the mom's getting something out of it. Mom doesn't, you know, make lunch for her kids for that day and say, hey, I need a tip. Like, give me a tip, right? Like, moms don't do that, right? No, you sacrifice and you give, not because you want something in return, but because you love them. And Paul's saying, that's what we did for you. Like, we just loved you so much and we had so much compassion for you. We shared the gospel with you in gentleness and compassion. This is what he says. And I love what he says in verse 8 too. Uh, verse 8, he says, being affectionately desirous for you or loving you so much, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, although that was important, but we were ready to share with you our own selves or our very lives without limits. Paul looked at these people and were like, we just loved you so much. And 
because we love you so much, we, we share the gospel with you. Because we know apart from it, there's nothing but wrath that you have and brokenness. And we loved you and we shared the gospel. But not just that, we shared our very lives with you. Our very lives with you. And to be honest, sometimes that's harder than sharing the gospel. Some of us are like, man, give me three minutes and I'll share the gospel and then we'll move on and I'll never have to talk to them again. But a faithful, faithful gospel witness is somebody that says, man, I want to do life with you. Maybe one of the best things you can do is to invite somebody to your house for dinner to sit around your table before you ever sit them in this room to hear the gospel. Maybe they should see it in your family first. Share your life. Share your time with them. That's what Paul's saying here. We loved you so much. We were willing to share everything with you. Our very selves. Church, that's the only way that we're going to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Is if we're willing to love and to sacrifice like Jesus did. Church, we have to pair our boldness and our compassion together. They have to go hand in hand. Yes, we should preach the gospel with boldness. No doubt. But we need to have compassion with them. If you have one without the other, something's faulty. Something's failing. If you only have boldness, then all you're doing is preaching judgment and pain and suffering on people. And you're just preaching, preaching, preaching. You just need to fix your life. You need to do this. Yes, we need boldness. But we need the compassion to go along with it so that we can share the compassion of our God and the love of our God. You see, if you only have compassion, then you might dial the gospel back a little bit, just a shade back, instead of being bold. But if you only have boldness, then you might only preach condemnation and not conviction. Church, there's a huge difference between the two. And so what we need, what we desperately need, is for us to wed our compassion and our boldness together as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what our neighborhoods need. This is what our nation needs. You see, sincere motives based out of love are extremely motivational. When other people see that you love and care for them, it's not to fill a seat or to check a box, but because you truly love them, there's something beautiful about that. This is what we need to do, church. This is what God is calling us to do. And one last thing I want us to see for a faithful gospel witness is that we need to have right perspective. Right perspective. We need right perspective on the gospel to reach our neighborhoods. And this is going to be short because it's just based on one word in this text. But look back at verse 4. It says, but we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We need the right perspective on the gospel. And the right perspective is this, is we don't just receive the gospel and we don't just believe the gospel. We're entrusted with the gospel, okay? That's a different perspective. You see, because so often we think, well, the gospel's for me. Yes, it is for you. It's just not only for you. This is not only about you. It's for others. And God is, someone has faithfully shared the gospel with you, is saying, here is my gospel, and I'm entrusting you to use it rightly, to steward it well, the way it's supposed to be. When anybody gives you something as an entrusting tool, you're supposed to use it rightly. This past week, I had my, both my boys in the backyard, and we were planting some shrubs. And you, if, if you know anything about planting trees or shrubs, you have to water them after you plant them, right? And so I go around to get the hose, and I, bring, and I pull the hose around, and I set it down, and my oldest son 
says, hey, can I water the plants? I was like, yes, and that's what I'm getting this hose out. I want you to go, and I'm entrusting you this hose to water the plants. And so let me go around the back and turn back on the water, turn the water on. So I'll go around, and I turn the water on, and by the time I get back around to the backyard, my youngest son, Ryland, is completely drenched from head to toe. And I'm like, son, what are you doing? Like, I, I gave you the hose to water the plants, not just to spray whatever you want to see. He's like, well, dad, I just really wanted to spray him. I'm like, no, like I entrusted you with this for a reason. God has entrusted the gospel to us with a reason, with a purpose. And so yes, believe it. Yes, receive it. But God desires for us to share it, to share that good news with those who don't know or those who don't believe. This is what God is calling us to do. And if you don't have the right perspective that it's not yours for you to do whatever you want to, but it's the gospel that God has given to us and shared with others, it changes us. And it changes our city and our nation. A while back I heard this, uh, this story about a tourist that went to the Golden Gate Bridge. And while he was out there, he had, this was several years ago, so he had uh, old cameras and he's taking pictures of the bay and of Alcatraz and of the bridge and all these things. He's just kind of taking photos out there. And while he's out there taking photos, he sees a, a girl walk down the bridge. She steps over the rail and gets on the other side of the rail. So he just turns and starts taking pictures of this girl. It's like, I just thought it was interesting. This girl's like kind of go, going on this side. So this is fascinating. So he's taking pictures of this moment, and then he starts to see her moving closer and closer to the edge, and he said, it hit me right away. This girl's going to take my life. She's going to jump. And in this interview that this guy did that was taking photo, he said, in that moment, it hit me. Like, I can either be a passive participant in this or an active agent. And so the temptation for me was just to continue to look at this broken situation through the lens of my camera and just continue to take photos. Like, he said, I had that temptation. I was like, but I put my camera down. Instead of being a passive Christian, I became an active agent. And somebody had a camera and was video in this moment where literally she's a couple feet down from the rail and he reaches over the rail and he grabs her and pulls her back onto the bridge and he rescues her. He saves her. It's an amazing moment to watch this, this guy reach over and, and rescue and save this girl and his strength and his power. Church, it is the same for us. It is so easy for us to be a passive participant, to just say, well, this is a broken world. It's a lost world. There's a lot of pain. There's nothing we can do. So we're just going to kind of take photos and enjoy whatever we can and take nice company. But Jesus has entrusted us with the gospel. So that through his strength and his might, as we share the gospel, God reaches down and he rescues people. He saves them. This is what God is calling us to do as Christians and believers. To be active in sharing our faith. And for those of you that don't know Jesus, realize that he is reaching for you today to rescue and to save you. That he loves you, desires to bring you back to hope and peace. Church, may we never, may we never at West Cabarrus Church be a passive people. But may we be an active agent for the glory of Jesus Christ in our neighborhood, in our church, all over the world. Lord, we first thank you that you were not passive. You looked at a broken world and you didn't just say, 
They didn't let them figure it out. God, you came in your glory and in your grace and in your power to rescue and to save us. And as you knelt down to rescue and to save us through your life and your death and your resurrection, then you look at us and you say, go and tell others of this good news. There's a place where they can have hope and forgiveness, not just for a moment, but for eternity. God, I ask, I ask now that you would help us not to be passive, but active. God, I ask that in your goodness and in your mercy, you would give us opportunities this week to tell people about you. And then give us boldness and compassion to share that truth with others. Lord, I also pray now for those that maybe for the very first time heard the gospel today. They've heard the word, but they see it in a new way. They understand it in a new way. Lord, I pray for them and ask that they would pray to you seek your forgiveness, find your hope, find your eternal glory in Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you pray to Jesus now and know that he is love and compassion and sacrifice. Lord, you are good. You are worthy of our lives, you're worthy of our words. And so this week, Lord, use our lives for your Use our words to impact our neighborhoods. God, would you, through your gospel, through your power, turn our worlds upside down and turn our city upside down for your good purposes and for your glory. In your name we pray, Jesus. Church, let's stand and let's sing now.